0: Take your Bibles this morning and thank you for that song. Turn with me to Acts chapter number 6. Say, Pastor, we've been in Acts chapter number 6 the last two Sundays. Well, it's three in a row. You say, how long are you going to be there? Well, till the Lord moves me, but we're going to have a great time this morning. I hope you're looking forward to it. I hope and pray that you know Christ is your Savior because that song that Brother Kenny sang is very special. The only way that you can have a home in heaven is to put your faith in Christ. If you're here today and you're not saved, may today be the day that you finally make that decision. And he will adopt you. And as Brother Kenny said, you will always be his child. You know, some strange things going on in the world today, are there not? Where children are divorcing their their parents and disowning their parents. You know, things that are just unnatural, that are unholy. And I'm glad that there's still a God that loves us, that will never disown us. And I hope you know Him as your Savior. Would you stand with me this morning as we uh, do out of respect for the Word of God? And we'll be in Acts chapter number 6. We won't read the entire passage that we've read the last couple of weeks. So we're going to look at one verse this morning and we'll move from there in chapter 6. So have your Bibles open. But chapter, chapter 6, verse 5, the Bible says, And the saying... Please the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning, for your word and the truth of it. Lord, I pray that you use it. Use me this morning. God, help me not to say anything that should not be said, and say all of what you want to be said. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. Now we come back to Acts chapter 6, and in the last two weeks we've talked about that in the church there in Jerusalem, there was some things going on, and of course there ought to be things happening in a church, but there were some problems that were happening, and as a result of that, the disciples, the leadership of the church at the time, they told the people, the church, to look out among them and to choose. You're going to get an opportunity at the end of this service, if you're a member of our church, to to be a part of choosing the men that will serve this year to be deacons in our church. But this morning, we're going to look at a great illustration of that. One of those seven, now the other six men are there by name in verse number five of chapter number six, but we're going to hone in on Stephen today. Last week, we looked at Philip. Now, the name Stephen is actually the the name Stephanos, and the word literally means crowned is what Stephen means. Now, the Bible says that Stephen was full of faith and the Holy Ghost, and I've entitled the message this morning, a complete servant. Now, hopefully you're going to understand as you look at the scriptures this morning what it means to be a complete servant. Serve it. Now again, Stephen. The Bible says that he was full of. That's two words in our English language, but in the original language, it's actually just one word. It's the word "playrace," and the word "playrace" means this. It means filled, as opposed to being empty. It means to be complete. Sometimes you are like I do. Maybe even today, when you leave here, you might go to a restaurant. You might go to some place to buy some food to eat. You might sit down. One of the things that you do is you might order something to drink. Now, it's you know kind of funny. I grew up in that generation where we always ate, but we always drank something while we ate. My wife, uh, it was a different thing I'd never seen before, but my wife, her family, they had something at the table that they had to drink, but they were not allowed to touch what it, their drink was until their food was gone. Oftentimes what happens is is that we, we fill up on liquid and we don't eat our food. But listen, I'll tell you this, that sometimes we go out to eat and when we go out to eat, here's the thing is, if you had ordered maybe uh, an iced tea or you ordered a soda or you ordered a cup of coffee and they bring it to your table and you look at it and the glass is half full or the cup is half full, you might look at that waitress and say, "Um, did you run out? Because I think I ordered an iced tea. I think I ordered a cup, not a half cup, of coffee. So look, you would want your cup to be full. Well, listen, your life, God wants you as a Christian to be a complete Christian, to be a complete servant like Stephen was, that we would not be empty that we would be filled. Now, one thing about Stephen, and you're going to, if you don't know this already, is Stephen was not a man that was self-absorbed. So many people today are all into themselves. It's me, myself, and I. Stephen was not self-absorbed. He was full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And as a servant of God, Stephen gives us a great illustration this morning of how to live our lives the right way. Watch this. Not only how to live right, but how to die right. Now, I think it's a good thing for us to make sure that we begin right. And the way to begin right is to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Bible uses a word known as sanctification. So justification is the miracle of a moment. It's when you get saved, you place your faith in Christ, you are justified When God looks at you, He sees you just as if you had never even been a sinner. Can I get an amen on that, right? Because, listen, what we deserve is hell. But the goodness of God, God saves us. He justifies us. By the way, you cannot save yourself. You cannot be saved by your own good works. The Bible says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saves us. So God God is the one that saves us. He justifies us. Then once we are saved, we live. That is the word sanctification. That means that we are being saved because as we understand that, that as long as we're in this world, we're in this flesh, we are prone to wander. We're prone to sin. And so understand that, listen, we need to start right. Well, that's Knowing Christ as our Savior, we need to stay right, but we need to finish right. How many of you want to finish the race, right? Finish right. I mean, listen, I, I haven't hardly watched any of it, and I know it's been more of the Winter Olympics, but I'll tell you this, uh, I think that those Olympians, they didn't come just to do half of their event. I remember I heard about a week or two weeks ago that uh, that they were having in the Olympics in the bobsled that there was a Jamaican bobsled that was back in the Olympics. And a lot of people started laughing. I don't know about you, but I, like many people, I watched that movie years ago, and I remember that movie, and it's happened many times, where the bobsled crashed before it got to the finish line. And if you remember the movie, the four men got out of the sled, a little beat up, a little banged up, and they got that sled, and they lifted it up, and held it above them, and they walked across the finish line. Listen, there's going to be some trials in your life. You're going to experience some things if you haven't already, but God says, listen, with my help and my strength, you can finish. And Stephen was a man that finished well. His life illustrates to us that, listen, we need to live right, but we also need to die right. And as we think about his life, we come here to chapter number 6 again, and I want you to notice in verse number 8, where the Bible says again, Stephen, notice, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. So we understand, as we who know Christ as our Savior, that it wasn't Stephen in and of himself, in his human strength He was not the one doing the miracles. It was God's power working through him. It was God enabling Stephen to do the things that he was doing. And it was a wonderful time for Stephen to be serving the Lord. But you remember how Stephen first got into the race. He was in the church in Jerusalem. And look again in verse number 1 of chapter number 6. It says, in those days when the number of the disciples, the church was growing, was multiplied Notice the word, there arose a murmuring. Remember, that was because the Grecians, they were saying that their widows were being neglected, the Bible says. So notice in verse number one, there arose a murmuring. But look what it says in verse number uh, number nine of the same chapter. And notice the word again, then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians and them of Cilicia and of Asia, notice, disputing with Stephen. So what you have in verse 1 is there arose a murmuring, but in verse number 9, there arose a mutiny. Uh, here the Bible says that they were disputing with Stephen. Stephen. Now, when you look at this word here, disputing, what is the Bible? And, and, you know, think about the people that are questioning him, disputing with Stephen. The Bible says that they, it was certain of the synagogue. These were the religious people of the day, these were the people that had the Word of God, that, that really knew what was right in the sight of God. And here they are disputing with Stephen. The word literally means that they began to investigate Stephen. They're they're really questioning him, Stephen, where are you getting the authority that you have to be doing and saying the things that you are doing? Now, that's been something that's been going on since the garden with Adam and Eve. Man has a major issue with authority. Sometimes when I go out into the community, and like yesterday, praise the Lord, we had uh, Sixteen people that went out yesterday, we had a whole van full of people, and we went down the streets, knocking on doors, telling people about our church and about our services, but telling them most of all about the love of God and and We had the opportunity to go out again and, it, and as we went out we, we wanted to, to to share the love of God with them and i 've had sometimes where people have asked me, you know and I get it I, when i 'm there i 'm an unwelcomed guest. I'm at their house on their front porch. And sometimes people, they might not use the exact words, but here's what they're saying. Where do you get off coming to my house telling me that I need Jesus? Now I want to be nice and I want to be kind to them, but the reality is, I'll tell you where I get the authority from, I get it from the Lord, because we're commanded. Well, Stephen this day, as a servant of the Most High God, is standing there and he is answering for what he is sharing with him about the Lord. Look at verse number 10. And the Bible says that these of these the synagogue, look at verse 10, they were not able, through the disputing, they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Now, The Bible says, and how many of you would like to have wisdom from God, right? All of us, I believe. James said that God will give it to all men that asketh. He will give to all men liberally and abradeth not. Look, wisdom cometh from above. We all need not the wisdom of this world. We need God's wisdom. And the Bible says, here's these these men of the synagogue, and they're disputing with Stephen. They're questioning Stephen. And it says they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Now, notice in your notes there, Luke 21, 15, God says, For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries, not some, all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. Well, notice again, verse 11, These, they suborned men which said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. How many of you think that if Stephen was one of the seven that the church chose, how many of you think that Stephen, by, by the word of God, his testimony, how many of you think Stephen was speaking blasphemous words? I don't think he was. Matter of fact, I think he was speaking the truth. But the Bible says here they are making an accusation that he was speaking blasphemous words against Moses and against God. Verse number 11, look at verse 12. So here's what they do. They stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council. Now the word council there is an interesting word because it is describing what is known as the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was a council, a group of 70, that had a man that was in the position known as the high priest. Now, by the way, there's only one high priest, and his name is Jesus. But in this day, you have the Sanhedrin, which in their day was like the Supreme Court of our day. It was the Jewish Supreme Court that presided over all matters. In this instance, it was Stephen. So, think about this. Here we have 70 or 71 to 1. What are the odds, right? Now, here's the fact that Stephen might have been there by himself, listen to me, but he was not there alone because the Bible says that we are never alone, that God is always there with us. So, here they are. They're disputing with him. The Bible says that they they accused him of speaking blasphemous words. They stirred up the people. Look at verse 13. They set up what kind of witnesses? False. Which, by the way, if evil men don't get their way, that's exactly what they always do. They start making false accusations. And here's what it says. Their accusation was this man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. Now here they are, they're all concerned, but the reality is is that Stephen was sharing with them because the Bible says in the Old Testament and even indicates in the New Testament, if you've offended one point of the law, you've offended the whole law. And here they are, they're they're so concerned about their rituals, about their traditions, instead of about the truth. And this morning, I want you to see that here, they in verse number 40, uh, 14, he, they said, We have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered unto us. Now, look, again, I get it. Sometimes... Things are a certain way, but listen, the one thing that I always want to do is I want to make sure that what I am doing or what our church is doing or what I'm involved in is God's way instead of man's way. And That's what they were all concerned about. See, here's the thing is, Jesus had just come, and many were concerned because they thought that if Jesus rose to power, that they would lose their power. And they did away with Jesus, or at least they thought they did. And now here's Stephen. That's just a poor visual there of Stephen standing in front of this council. Now they had one thing right. Stephen ceased not, just like we saw last week with Philip. Just like every Christian, everywhere we go we should talk to people about Jesus. So he's standing here and he's being accused of them. And the Bible, again, in Luke 21 says, God's going to give us a mouth. God's going to give us wisdom that all of our adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. Look at the Bible, says in Proverbs 12, There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. The lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil, but to the counselors of peace is joy. Now look at this. This might encourage you. Look at this verse. There shall no evil happen to the just, but the wicked shall be filled with mischief. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are His delight. God delights in those of His servants that are telling the truth about him. Now, Peter said it this way. Notice in chapter 3 and verse number 16, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ, your life that you are living in Christ. The Bible tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said in Matthew 5, blessed are ye, when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you, what? Falsely, but look at those last few words, for my sake. Never ever had somebody say something bad about you and it wasn't true? If you're going to live for the Lord, it's going to happen. I've had many things, been the target many times. And listen, I'm constantly reminded of Matthew 5.11. Blessed are ye. We should be happy. You know why? Because Jesus was reproached. He he lived and gave his life for us. Therefore, we should be happy when we when we live for the Lord. I don't know about you, but Stephen stood that day, and he was being falsely accused. And I know some of you are maybe right now thinking about times where people have made accusations about you. I wonder how you handled it. Well, look at verse 15, the last verse of chapter 6. I want you to look at this. And all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of what? The face of a what? An angel. Now, after all they accused him of, After all they had said about him, here's 70, 71 beady eyes on him as he stands there all by himself. The Bible says they saw his face, and his face had been the face of an angel. I mean, Stephen is standing there, and his face, what was on his face was emanating from his heart. There was an innocence about him. There was a peace that he had, even though he stood there in front of his accusers falsely. He stood there. The Bible says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Stephen stood there, and his face was like the face of an angel. The Bible says in Isaiah 26, verse 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. You know what Stephen's mind was doing? It was stayed on the Lord, it was fixed on the Lord. What was Stephen doing? Stephen was trusting the Lord that day as he stood there. Stephen, look what it says here in verse number one in the next chapter, chapter seven. After the accusations, Chapter 7, verse 1, then said the high priest, are these things so? Well, tell us. Are what they saying about you, are they true? And I want you to notice verse 2. Stephen said unto him, he's talking to the high priest, but he's talking in front of the entire council. And he says, men, brethren, and fathers, And from right there, and we won't take the time this morning, I'll let you, uh, that's your homework, to read from verse 2 of Acts 7 to verse 50. Because for those verses, what Stephen did during those verses was he responded to the council. (laughs) It's kind of a neat thing what he did. If you take the time, maybe this afternoon or this week, Stephen actually, he's, he's responding to this high priest. Now, many believe, and you may differ, but many believe that the high priest that was residing over this particular trial or whatever you want to call it with Stephen, many believe that the high priest was Caiaphas. Now, they may not mean much, but if you think back, many believe that if this was Caiaphas, that was residing over this trial with Stephen, Caiaphas was the one that resided over the trial of Jesus. Same high priest. And so here Stephen addresses the high priest in verse number 1, and the council is all listening to him, and Stephen begins from verse 2 all the way to verse 50, and he gives a panoramic view of the entire Old Testament. I mean, literally you ought to read you, you you remember when you were in school and if you were like me you maybe you weren't a reader and they had something back in our day called cliff notes anybody remember cliff notes it was kind of a cheater's way to read a book all right kind of just condensed it way down you know well listen a lot of times if you start reading in genesis 1 and you read to malachi the end of the book there which is called the old testament it takes you a little while to read all the way through there but Stephen here gives an entire panoramic view of the entire Old Testament, and he emphasized things in that, those verses about the Jewish history and things that maybe that the Sanhedrin had not considered about Jesus. Do you, you do know that the entire Old Testament, by the way, the entire Bible, is all about Jesus. And so he begins to, to share that with him. Now, I don't think in any way that Stephen was interested in defending himself. I think what he was doing was he just simply wanted to proclaim to them the truth about Jesus so that they could understand it a little bit better. So this morning I want to take this opportunity from Acts chapter 7 and the life of Stephen and that thought that Stephen was a man full of faith and the Holy Ghost. He was a complete servant. Well, What were some ways that Stephen was complete? What are some ways from Stephen's life that you and I can say, I want to be a complete servant of the Lord? Notice with me this morning, Stephen was full of courage, full of courage. Now, if you're still there in Acts 7, we're going to pick up where it really gets good, all right? Go to chapter 7, go to verse 51. Notice this verse, ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always, not sometimes, you always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Sounds to me like Stephen is influencing people and making friends. I mean, man, you you have to understand the tone of what he just said to them. And if that wasn't enough, look at verse 52. He says to them about their fathers, he says, Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them, killed them, which showed before of the coming of the just one. Notice the capital J, the capital O, that's talking about Jesus. He says, Of whom? Ye have been now the betrayers and murderers. So not only did their fathers kill the prophets for telling the truth, but you killed Jesus, the Son of God, who is the truth. And then notice verse 53. Who have received the law by the dispensation of angels and have not kept it. There he is again reminding them that if you've offended the law in one point, You've offended the whole law. You are guilty is what he was saying to them. Now, when you look at Stephen standing here and saying the words that he said, can you say courage? I mean, the man was full of courage. He was full of courage to speak out for the Lord. The Bible tells us in Psalm 31, be of good courage, and he, God, shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. Stephen took a bold and uncompromising strong stand for the just one. Can I tell you, as a Christian, listen to me, we should never, never compromise on the truth. And one of those truths that we should never compromise on is is that Jesus is Lord. The Bible says in Philippians 2.11, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is, is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Stephen knew, and I hope today that you know as well, that people's eternity hangs in the balance on one thing and one thing only, and that is who they believe Jesus is or what they do with Jesus. You see, even Jesus said to his disciples, Whom do men say that I am? Well, some say you're John the Baptist or Elias, Jeremiah. But who do you say that I am? And Peter said, well, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You see, Stephen knew. Listen to me. Even those 70 and the high priest, they have a soul that Jesus died for. Oh, yes, they're opposing him. But God gave him the courage to stand there. I know that sometimes it's not easy being a witness. But the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy one seven, God had not given us the spirit of fear, of timidity, but he has given us power and love and of a sound mind. The Bible says in Hebrews 13 that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. I wonder what will happen if you are called into question. People start saying things falsely about you. Will you trust the Lord, like Stephen? Will you have courage? Will you be full of courage? Stephen spoke out about the truth. And I was dwelling on that this week. And I thought to myself, where did Stephen get that courage from? Well, the Bible gives us that answer. The Lord stood with him. Even back in the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, look at chapter 41. Isaiah wrote, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of My righteousness, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Hey, listen, I think this morning that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would say amen to that. I'll tell you what, many times we go through some difficult situations. But may I remind you of Deuteronomy 31 Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. We're reminded even Jesus himself said, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. You see, listen, Stephen was a complete servant because he was full of courage. I wondered about you today. I've thought many times about myself. Do we have the courage to stand for the Lord? See, he was not only full of courage, but look at this. He was full of commitment. Stephen was so committed to Jesus that he was willing to sacrifice everything for Christ. Can you say that? Sacrifice everything. And we see the full measure of his commitment. I, I get it. That commitment is something in this day that people don't want to be committed to this, and they don't want to be committed to that. But listen, I'll tell you this, you've got your favorite sports team, you've got your favorite this, you've got your favorite that. You're committed to those things. Listen, where's the Christian that would say, I'll be fully committed to the Lord? Look at the full measure of his commitment. Look at verse 54. When they heard these things, the things that Stephen said to them, and by the way, God was the one that gave him the boldness and the courage to say the things that needed to be said. But when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him and the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul and they stoned Stephen. Here they are, these hateful religious judges were so enraged by the words that Stephen spoke, and they could not resist the wisdom that he spoke those words. And the Bible says here, they were so upset that they began to gnash their teeth at him. Just, just like you see this picture here, it's it's actually the grinding of the teeth is what it is. They were so mad at him. You know, They they say that, And maybe some of you, they say that people even grind their teeth in their sleep. There's there's people whose teeth are are not near the the height that they used to be because they grind their teeth and they don't even realize it. But that's not why they were grinding. By the way, the Bible talks about those in hell one day that are going to be weeping and wailing and gnashing of their teeth. But they were so mad. Not only were they grinding their teeth like a pack of wild dogs, but the Bible says that they 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 stopped their ears. Remember when you were a little kid and you you put your fingers in your ears? You know, it it never really drowned it at all out. You could still hear. Or maybe they kind of put their hands over their ears like, I, I, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I mean, listen, all their intimidation, none of it broke Stephen's commitment. Stephen was committed to the Lord. Look, Stephen didn't get up that day and, and and think, "Boy, I hope I can die today." But I'll tell you what he was doing here. He was not willing to deny the truth, and that's what you and I need to see. Is he was he, look? If he was going to live, he was going to live by the truth. That's what Cho, Cho, uh, Stephen was committed to doing, and you and I, we need to be at the same commitment in our lives. Listen, the cause of Christ is more important than comfort. Let me say that again. The cause of Christ, the work of God, is more important than our comfort. I get it. Like a lot of times right now, some of you are like, this chair's comfortable, but you know, I need to move around. You know, listen, I, I remember the days where, where churches had wooden pews with no, no pads in them. We've gotten to the point where if the A.C. is not, if it's not cool enough, you know, we're uncomfortable. Listen, maybe we ought to be uncomfortable because when we get out of our comfort zone, we just might realize that God is working in our lives. Do you think it was comfortable for Stephen to stand before this council? think it was comfortable for him to, to hear the things that people were saying about him falsely? But Stephen was committed. Listen, there are people in the world today, and we have no idea here in our country, but our day may be coming. But can I share some statistics with you? Each month, 322 Christians are martyred for their faith in Christ, each month. Each month, 214 churches and Christian properties are destroyed, each month. Each month, 772 forms of violence are committed against Christians every month. Listen, Christians in more than 60 countries face persecution from governments and neighbors of theirs for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So what are we to do? Well, James says it this way in James chapter 1. Look in your notes there. My brethren, here's what happens. Count it all what? Joy. When the persecution comes, hey, listen, remember what Jesus said For my name's sake, what we do, we do for the Lord. Stephen gives us a great illustration of not only how to live right, but how to die right. Here he is committed to the Lord. And look at James again. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse or different temptations. Now look at this. Knowing that those temptations, those testings... That this trying of your faith worketh patience. Now, again, this goes back to we like to be comfortable. Because when our faith is tried, when it's tested, it's going to be proven. See, nothing's, you know, when I was teaching in the the Bible college years ago, I would say to my students, I'd say, you know, I think I'm going to give you a quiz on Wednesday. Oh, Mr. Keeley, that's okay. We don't need a quiz. That's what they would say to me. And so I would give them a quiz. I was a mean guy. I'd give them a quiz. And so when I graded the quizzes, it showed me what they knew and what they didn't know. That's what tests and quizzes are. They're ways to prove. Well, you know what? Many times we say we have faith, but that's never a reality until it's put to the test. So look at James says again, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Now, many times we think that word patient there is like, you know, standing in a line just patiently waiting our turn, but it it really talks about endurance, staying with it. Because when your faith is tested, listen, did Stephen just walk out of that council room? No, he stayed. He endured, right? And so the Bible says it worketh patience. Now watch this. But let patience have her perfect work. Now, the word perfect there comes from the very same word that Jesus used when he hung on the cross. When he said those words, it is what? Finished. The word is to tell us. It means to complete, to bring to an end. He was talking about salvation when he hung there on the cross. Look, listen to me, listen to me. Nothing has to be added to to what Jesus already did. See, that's what the religions of the world today, they say you have to be baptized. They say you have to have the sacraments. They say you have to give. You have to work. You have to do this. You have to do that. No, no, no. Jesus said it's finished. See, Jesus paid it all. The only thing we need to do is put our faith and trust in Him. See, many of us, like myself, came up through religions that religion taught us. That it's faith plus this. No, 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 no. It's faith plus nothing. See, it's Christ and Christ alone. But see, it says here that when our faith, look at it again, James. When our faith is put to the test, okay, it will bring that to a completion, that ye may be perfect, complete, and notice, an entire. Now, those two words seem to be similar, perfect and entire, Perfect is dealing with complete, mature, but the word entire means complete in every part. That's why it says they're wanting nothing or lacking nothing. So when you look at James there, James is literally saying to us from our passage today that just like Stephen, Stephen was full of commitment. You and I need to stand in Stephen's shoes And you and I need to also be men and women of God that are committed to the cause of Christ. See, Stephen was a complete servant. He was full of courage. He was full of commitment. But look at this. He was full of consciousness. Now, go back to chapter 7. Look at verse 55. The Bible says again, now, look, in your mind, I know we're not there, but in your mind, I want you to try to visualize this. He's standing there in front of this council. Now listen to what he says. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, notice he looked where? He looked up steadfastly into where? Talk to me, into where? Heaven. And he saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. I mean, t- listen, don't get excited, but I'll tell you this, I'm pretty excited. You can't tell. I mean, I know this. Look, this is a poor representation of what maybe Stephen saw that day as Stephen was there and he was facing certain death, you know what he was thinking to himself when God allowed him to see this, he was thinking that, listen, listen, heaven is very close. My time on this earth is about to expire. Now, they say that if you study this out, that where the Sanhedrin actually held these councils, it was in a room that was inside the temple. It was actually attached to the temple, but nonetheless, it was indoors. But notice here that Stephen saw heaven. Now, here's what I believe, and you can differ on this, but I really believe that God pulled back the curtain and He allowed Stephen to look over into heaven. You say, Is that possible? Yes, it's possible because this is the same God that created everything that's in this world, and He did it just by speaking a word. <laughs> The Bible says that God allowed Stephen to look into heaven. See everything that we understand about space <laughs> by the way, our little pea brain, our little finite mind, we can't even come close, even some that have spent their lives studying the stars and the galaxies. You know we, we can't understand it. It's impossible for us to fully comprehend, but I'll tell you this, that space one day will unravel when the Lord comes back. See, the universe as we know it, it's beyond our imagination, but listen, it's not beyond God's. God is in the heavens, the Bible says, and what is unique is the Bible even tells us that one day when Jesus comes back, that he will fold up the universe just like we would fold up a coat. Look at what the Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter 1. You see that in your notes there? Look at this verse. And by the way, here's, here's a great verse, verse number 8. If you've never seen this verse, notice the wording here. But unto the Son, see the capital S? Unto the Son, that's Jesus. He saith, well, if it's unto the Son, the He is who? God. Now watch this. So it's God the Father talking to God the Son say, how do you know that? Well, look at the verse. Under the Son He saith, Thy throne, O God. Do you see what just happened there? God the Father just called God the Son, God. Some of you that have people, friends, or people that you work with that are caught up, I won't name the religion of the world today, but many people will say, well, Jesus was a good man, and Jesus was a teacher, but Jesus was not God. Hey, look, Give them that verse and let them chew on that one for a while. Because God the Father said that Jesus was God. Now notice what it says here about Jesus. As God, notice that forever, His throne, His throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of Thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity, therefore God... Even thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning, notice that, hast laid the foundation of the world. Jesus was present at the creation of this world. Notice the Bible goes on to say here that the heavens are the work of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest, the eternality of our God. They all shall wax old as doth a garment. Notice, and as a vesture, thou shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. So like Stephen, look, God allowed Stephen to see into heaven. You know what's going to make the difference in your life each and every day, especially when you're standing trying to give an answer to somebody that doesn't believe in the Lord, that's a skeptic that wants to dispute with you, maybe God will roll back the curtain and allow you to see heaven. By the way, we need to be conscious of the fact that he is there and he is interceding on our behalf with God the Father. God's eyes are always upon us, the Bible tells us. And so I hope that you have that in your mind, that just like Stephen, that we understand that God is not too far away from us, that God is close, and that God cares for us. Peter said, Casting all your care upon him. Why? For he careth for you. See, other people might not, but God loves you. You know, he's never too busy for you. You know, you're never, look here, just like those stupid smartphones, you call somebody, and they look and they see your name there, and they're like, Nope, don't want to talk to him. God doesn't do that. When we call out to him in prayer, isn't amazing how all of us in this room could pray to God at the same time, and God can hear every one of us, and God can answer us, each one individually. And here's Stephen. He's full of this consciousness that even though his end may be near, I could just see Stephen. Here he is in front of this council, and he's looking up into heaven. And just think to himself there he is! That's Jesus right there. I mean, the Bible says he saw the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. It'll change your life when you see Jesus. Look, heaven's going to be wonderful, and not with your physical eyes. But if you look, you can see Jesus every day, and it will help you to have a consciousness. Now, that consciousness helped him because not only was he full of consciousness, but look at this last thing that he was full of. He was full of character. Now, go back in your Bible here, and I want you to see a couple of things here in chapter 7 as we close this morning. Stephen's heart, it's evident that his heart was much like the Lord's. There were some ways that Stephen was just like Jesus. And guess what? You're a Christian if you're saved. That means you're supposed to be like Christ. What were some ways that Stephen was like Jesus? Notice, first of all, he was like Jesus in his faith. Look at verse 59 again. The Bible says, And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus receive my spirit now here he is and he's about his life is about to come to an end and what he says sounds a lot like the last thing jesus said when he hung on the cross where jesus said in luke 23 with a loud voice father into thy hands i commend my spirit and having said thus he gave up the ghost see, no one, the Bible tells us, no one took Jesus' life from him. He laid his life down. And Stephen here, he's on the trial of his life, and what is he doing? He's trusting the Lord the same way that Jesus trusted his Father when he hung on the cross. Stephen knew because he had seen heaven. He knew that that's where he would be. What, we know the verse, right? To be absent from the body is what? Be present with the Lord. I'm not saying do this, but you know, sometime in life, somebody might point a gun at you. I hope it never happens. But if they do, you literally could say, what are you going to do, threaten me with heaven? Now, don't say that to somebody if they point the gun at you. They might just say, well, I'm going to see, you know, and they'll never see, but you will see. But here's the thing, he's trusting in the Lord. He knew that he would be with the Lord. And here's what I love about Stephen. He was willing to die for his Lord. You know why? Because he knew that Jesus died for him. That's the kind of faith that we need. See, he was like Jesus in his faith, but he was like Jesus in his forgiveness. Look at verse 60, last verse of chapter 7. The Bible says he kneeled down and he cried with a loud voice, Lord, look at this, can you imagine, lay not this sin to their charge. I look at those words, and again, what an amazing Christ-likeness. Jesus also said on the cross in Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The Bible tells us in the gospel of John he came unto his own and his own received him not can you imagine Jesus looking down at those that had nailed him to the cross that had put the crown of thorns on him that had driven the spear in his side and he said forgive them well here's Stephen he kneeled down and he looks at those that were his accusers those that were about to take his life. And he's actually filled with compassion for them. You know what that tells me? Stephen realized that they had a soul. and You know what he thought? They need to be saved too. Now, I don't know if you remember, we read it a minute ago. Look at verse 58 because the Bible says, they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was what? Saul. Do you see the picture there? There he is. He's standing there. Their coats are at his feet. We all know that Saul, in Acts chapter 9, met the Lord on the road to Damascus. And we all know that Jesus saved him changed his life, used him to write 13 books that in the New Testament of the Bible that you hold in your hand. It sounds to me like God answered the prayer of Stephen. And I, this is what I believe. Again, this is my opinion. I really believe that this image right here was something that was permanently burnt into Saul's mind and his heart. He never forgot The faith and the forgiveness of Stephen, who was a servant that was full of faith and the Holy Ghost. You know, Stephen, his faith and his forgiveness, it's contagious. Even some of the most hardened people like Saul, like I once was. The Bible is a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Stephen's life is a wonderful example to illustrate to us the right way to live but also the right way to die. And listen, death is inevitable. No one's going to live forever. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. But those of us that put our faith in Christ, it talks about one day when we get to heaven at the judgment seat of Christ that we will receive crowns. Now those crowns, they're described in the Word of God. I think we've got a slide here that shows the five crowns. And, and you need to understand the whole purpose behind these because many times we think that there's something for us. But this matter of, of crowning or rewarding of the saints, it's going to take place at what is known as the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat of Christ. Now, those crowns are not for us to wear. They're not for us to parade around in, like, look what I've done, look how many crowns I have. The sad thing is there will be some Christians that may not receive a crown. will be empty-handed. Now, we'll be in heaven. But those crowns are given to us for what we do for the Lord in this life. And here's the whole purpose behind them is so that we can then one day cast them at the feet of Him that is worthy. And the Bible tells us this. Look in your notes there, Revelation 4. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to Him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders sat down Uh, fell down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever. This is all describing Jesus on the throne. And notice what they did. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Do you know that's why you're here? That's why God created you. That's why God gave you life. You were created by Him, and you were created for Him, that you might bring pleasure to Him. Now, one of those people that He created, that He gave life to, was Stephen. Remember what Stephen's name means? Crowned. When I think of Stephen's life and the crowns, one day, Stephen, I believe, from the testimony of the Word of God, is Stephen will receive, now, maybe more than this, but he will receive what is known as the crown of life. And the crown of life, the Bible describes, is for those that patiently, as James said, endured the trials, the testa- testing, the persecution. It's for the Christians who bravely confront persecution for Jesus Christ, even to the point of death. James said it this way in James 1, 1, 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. There's no doubt Stephen loved the Lord, and he stood. Stephen stood for the Lord in the face of opposition. You know how he could stand? Because he was full of courage. He was full of commitment. He was full of a consciousness of heaven, and he was full of character. Think about your life today. Are you like Jesus? Are you full of courage? Are you full of commitment? Do you have a consciousness that heaven may be closer than you think? And are you full of character, faith? and forgiveness like Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Lord, I thank you for this morning, for the truth of God's word this morning. Lord, you have spoken to us, and I know that, God, there is every person that's here and those that are listening that you have spoken to this morning, and may we be receptive. If there's someone here this morning, maybe from the testimony of Stephen's life, that they're not saved, and They would like to put their faith in Christ. Lord, may they do that today. Lord, if they are saved, I pray that you would help those that are saved to be like Stephen. It may be that we need to ask you for courage, more courage. You haven't given us the spirit of fear. Lord, may you help us. May we be full of commitment. May we be fully conscious where you are and how close heaven really is. And as we live day by day, be full of character, full of faith, full of forgiveness. May we respond today and we pray this in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? As God has spoken to you while you're standing, why don't you just step out and come this morning. Where's the Christian that would say, listen, God has spoken to me. Some of you this morning might come and say, God, I need courage. I need courage. Some might say, I need the wisdom that only comes from above. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You have neighbors, coworkers, friends, family members, and you've been trying, or you want to in your heart, you want to talk to them because You want to see them saved. Why don't you come today and say, God, give me the wisdom and the words. How's your commitment today? Are you so committed to the Lord like Stephen that you're willing to give your life, to give your all? By the way, you're giving it to someone who gave his all for you. Whatever the need is this morning, why don't you come as Brother Kenny begins to sing.